Hey everybody, the con artist here. We're here for a uh, special side podcast to try something a little different. So uh, in February of 2022, uh, the Pokemon Company announced that they were bringing out Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, and I believe this is Gen 9. And I thought it was a good time to get a podcast on this channel about Pokemon because it, it had a really big impact on my childhood. So uh, to do this, I've gotten rid of all those other guys. All the other con artists, because they didn't freaking play Pokemon at the right stage, or play Pokemon at all. So forget them, and I brought in an extra special guest today, our second time having a guest on the podcast, so hello Chris! Hi! Chris, I consider you somewhat of a Pokemon expert, so I'm pretty excited to chat with you about the Pokemons. That's, that's high expectations. Alright, well we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. So, um... Today we're just going to talk about red and blue, because I think otherwise, you know, this cast could go on forever. And also, I'm not terribly well-versed too many generations beyond red and blue, so I don't want to stretch my knowledge too far, yeah? Yep, sounds good. Alright, so uh, I guess let's just let's just jump right in with, uh, when, when red and blue first came out, did you have a lot of people to play with? Um, I think this was a really big deal in terms of being the first time you really had to play the game with another person. Now, I know you could, if you own two Game Boy Colors and one of the connector cables, you could just trade with yourself. Yeah, my one, of those, sister and I one of those really rich that. people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, my sister and I had Game Boy Colors, and, like, we could do it. But in general, you really did need another person. And and so this was kind of interesting. So did you have a lot of um, a lot of people to play with? I had, like, one or two friends... Uh, that I would see on a regular-ish basis, but for the most part I was doing it alone. Oh, okay. Huh. I guess, what what did you think of it when you first started playing it? It was pretty different for me. I was always a Mario girl, or like, I hadn't really gotten into RPGs, period. Uh, I never played like Legend of Mana or, or whatever on the Super Nintendo, so this was very... Um... This was very different for me to like have, have to collaborate. I had friends that I played games with, you know what I mean? But like Mario Kart is very different than doing this. Yeah, for 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 me, I, I already had played a bunch of JRPG type stuff. I would played Final Fantasy and, and all of the Final Fantasy USA and <laughs> all of that nonsense. But uh, our JRPG type games were pretty pretty standard for me okay so you kind of knew what was going on a yeah little bit. and i was not the a particularly was... social kid uh <laughs> okay all right so that kind of rolls into some of my next questions um i guess let's just go with that one now before my other one what was it cool to have a game that encouraged a little bit of socializing and you could play with those couple of friends you, you did see? Or was it a little stressful because you wanted to catch them all and you couldn't mm. without seeing them? Yeah, I kind of found it a little frustrating, a little uh, difficult, just because even when I have a chance to see see them, it's it's a lot of organization to get everything traded in the way that you want to and you have to do like trade and trade back sometimes right yeah that's yeah that's a pretty good point 
Um, I, I actually did not find it very difficult. And I think it's just because I had so many friends on my block playing. So we'd have like group get togethers where we would just trade all the Pokemon and then trade them back. I will say the, um, the whole intro part, like when you first discovered how you could get all the starter Pokemon was like infuriating because you had to like play through the beginning a little bit with your starter, then trade it to your friend for like a Radita or something, and then do that multiple times so that you all got all the starters. That was a little stressful. Yeah, I'd never had a friend with that much organizational uh, ability. I never managed to get all the starters, but I knew it was possible. And if I had had two Game Boys, I definitely would have done it. Oh man, that's so, oh, that's distressing. Uh huh. No, I I don't have any. I didn't have any friends. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, that's kind of fascinating. So, man, I, I guess we'll get to it later because I don't want to spend too much time. I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what kept drawing you to the game then because I really felt like a huge element was having having those other people around. But um, let's let's come back to that later. So did you watch the TV show and wake up every day with that sweet theme song? Hey, everyone. Sushma here. I realize some of you may be too young to know the original Pokemon theme song. So I wanted to play a small portion of it so you could understand the majesty of what we grew up with. I wanna be the very best, like no one ever was. To catch them is my real test, to train them is my Man, that theme song is so great. All right, back to the podcast. I did. I watched the TV show before I had the game, actually. Really? So I was I was pretty familiar with ever, with the whole Pokemon world before I, I even got to the game. I, uh, <laughs> I was a, a late starter. Wow, okay. That's really interesting. I, uh, I think I was also a little late, like later than my friends, because like I said, I didn't know about RPGs and they were like, you should get this game so we can all play together. I was like, OK. Um, yeah, but the TV show was a huge, huge part of my childhood as well. I remember eating breakfast every day, listening to the theme song and getting to watch the episode. And it was funny because my parents got so familiar with with it because my dad would watch it with us in the morning. And uh, he was at a certain point, he started to really really like Meowth because he was like Meowth has ambition I like that guy like I hope he catches that stupid Pikachu I really like Team Rocket and, and Meowth's like engineering skills and building all these contraptions that'll catch catch Pikachu and we were like no dad they're the bad guys so you know team effort in my household for the for the TV show I think it also in the beginning it did a good job of making you feel like you were Playing the game and watching the TV show felt um, cohesive, I guess is what I'll say. You know, eventually, obviously, the TV show is off doing its own thing, but you're playing the game and you're like, oh, I know who Brock is. I know who Misty is, right? Like, I caught a Butterfree, like, or I evolved my Caterpie to Butterfree. Like, wow, I feel like I'm, you know, on the show. Yeah, especially the first couple episodes are very immersive when you, you, when you match them up against the game. 
but uh yeah I, I i was up every morning watching watching pokemon and uh yeah yep that's a great show a great show um all right let's let's just get into some some top stuff do you have a favorite pokemon from gen one or do you have like top three or something i know it's a little stressful to pick a top one no, there's 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 so many. Uh, I always liked uh, Ninetales. Uh, oh, that's a great choice. Ninetales is a beautifully designed Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But and then uh, the other one that I was uh, pretty big on at the time was Farfetched, which wasn't as good of a Pokemon. But wow, did you yeah. just like the design? I just liked like the design. Uh, he had like a a stick that he he did uh, hit people with. Yeah, I was about to ask if you have a dark childhood of slapping your friends with leaks, and this is like you revealing your dark backstory. Well, it wasn't leaks, but there definitely was some some smacking with rolled up poster board. Okay, all right. So you've got you've got some dark far fetched backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Mine mine were Jolteon. I just really loved Jolteon's design, and I used to pick a lot of Pokemon in my my set of six that had speed elements. Um, Charizard, I liked a lot. Um, I think those are my top. And when Mewtwo came out, I just I had a really big thing for Mewtwo's design. I don't know what it was. It was like alien, yet had a lot of neat structure to it so i I really liked mewtwo a lot yeah i think everyone liked mewtwo (laughs) yeah yeah good times with with mewtwo so those those would be my my tops from from gen one um now which pokemon was the best starter it's a uh controversial question i know we're gonna we're gonna maybe fight about it (laughs) well obviously the answer is squirtle what? <laughs> Obviously, the Obviously. answer is Charmander. No, Charmander is Charmander is boring. Everybody likes Charmander. Squirtle. Oh my goodness. Squirtle is is a underdog, scrappy underdog. <laughs> what is what is this? You're a traitor already, Squirtle. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I mean, I do think having that like high degree of defense. Squirtle, you know, was always the middle ground, right? My husband really yeah. likes Bulbasaur, and I was just like, babe, really? And he's like, yeah, he was a little dinosaur, and he grows <laughs> a plant. And I was like, oh, that's that's adorable. Uh-huh. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, flame dragons. Uh-huh. Bulbasaur so, I don't, is the, I don't uh... already know about you. I'm, like, redacting your <laughs> Professor Pokemon Uh-oh. status. We're already in trouble. Squirtle. I mean, it's oh not God. Bulbasaur, though. Bulbasaur is, is the Hufflepuff of, of Pokemon starters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the Hufflepuff. I agree. And I mean, they even tell you, I think they, like when you got into guides, they were like, choose Bulbasaur if you want the game to be a little bit easier. Because I guess he had he had an easier time with, with rock and water in the beginning. Yeah, with the first couple gyms. Yep. Yep. Charmander was for hardcore Pokemon <laughs> <laughs> players. Oh, boy. That's That's pretty funny. Um, so how serious did you get into Pokemon with, with Gen 1, Chris? Like, so did you ever play the game, like, competitively? Uh, or did you just, was it really a collect-a-thon? It was mainly collection for me. 
Uh, I, I didn't really like battling all that much. Uh, when I did, I pretty much always failed horribly. <laughs> Could not agree with you more. I, I attended a tournament in New Jersey where I lived once and I just got creamed and I'll get into a little bit later, but it was, it was a really good lesson in how, like how you couldn't cheat in the game. Cause I pseudo cheated. Um, well, I wouldn't say pseudo, I cheated in order <laughs> to make this, like make certain stuff happen and the game penalized me hard, but I really, yeah, I didn't really have that strategic sense in terms of picking, picking the right six or like really thinking about it from a statistics point of view. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think the collection element was definitely the more nostalgia element for me. Nostalgic element. Yeah, I never really got deep into any of the stats, any of the training, any of the IVs and EVs. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I feel like people who play Pokemon at that level, at a certain point, I don't even think it's like you like the the Pokemon per se. I think it's just like this one has the best stats and the best move set, and I can put the most like HMs on it, and therefore I use it. Right? It doesn't even come down to likes. They're just like all stats that you're moving around. It feels like. Yeah, some people are just all about all about winning. All about using the best uh, setup. And that was that was not me. I was the one coming, trying to uh, use explosion on on their Mewtwo because I heard that maybe that'll uh, help help get me ahead. But uh... oh my gosh! So I <laughs> never understood the power of the status effect abilities so i was that person who was like who the heck would keep sleep powder and like knocked all of that out or like leer i was like this is stupid uh -huh. <laughs> it doesn't take down their hp right i was just all muscle head doesn't do as, anything as yeah why would you use this and i was total muscle head and i was just like of course i need all the attacks that only take out hp and no <laughs> no friends if you somehow just get into pokemon red and blue right now like don't don't underestimate the power of like poison powder sleep powder and the leer leer is some solid solid ability yeah those those status effects are they're tricky they are and when they stack like it was it was deadly i remember in that tournament people were like putting me to sleep paralyzing me and then you know you get like ekans who uses bind or whatever and you're like mm -hmm. this is the worst what is even happening right now? Oh, you're not doing anything. How are you using these cheatsy abilities to take me out? What is this? Man. Well, I, th I think the worst part is just that the that there are so many random status effects like uh, paralyze and confusion just randomly happen. There's no predicting it. It'll just be like maybe I get to attack this turn. Confusion was infuriating. Because when it would happen, you're just like, please, please. I also feel like you would have to tell me about later, later gens, but I feel like if you got confused, it was pretty brutal because I felt like that status effect stuck around for a long time. Yeah, confusion's always been kind of a, a rough one. 
Whereas like paralysis, I felt like, I mean, in a tournament, four turns is, you know, the end of your existence. But if you're just battling casually, I felt like you could recover from paralysis. <laughs> but confusion always felt super brutal. Yeah, the, the one good thing about confusion is that eventually it wears off. But if you if you get unlucky with that, then, you know, you, you, you're down. Yeah, it was it was where you'd hit yourself and you're sitting there like hoping you got an attack off. I mean, paralysis is terrible. You, your, your attacks are frozen, period. But I felt like its effect would wear off faster. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, so we're, we're trash Pokemon battlers. Like, how are we supposed to be the very best like no uh -huh. one ever was, Chris? This is a problem. <laughs> we were not the very best. No, we're, we're, we're the the guy on the side of the road who, who just runs up to anybody who comes by. Yeah, we're like, hey, battle my Pokemon. That was a hilarious thing, too. I, I remember thinking that was really funny. Like, Bugcatcher wants to battle. And I was just like, don't you have school to go to, kid? Like... What do, you, what do you want? No, nobody goes to school in the in the Pokemon universe. It's true. It's true. That's an interesting fun fact, man. Um, so Except yeah, for I the think special uh, Pokemon academies. Right. Yeah, the training academies or whatever, and you're like, I don't. It's it's one of those funny things, kind of like Harry Potter, right? You're like, when do you kids learn like math? <laughs> or, or you know literature like who, who, nobody goes to school like ash leaves his house at like age 10 right and he's just like i'm gonna go off and be a pokemon master and you're like i don't know kid that seems bizarre and your mom is okay with this double bizarre maybe try learning a little bit of like geometry seriously <laughs> right like know some algebra before you go out in the world hello pokemon You've got some explaining to do. What were you doing with the kids? Weird, weird, weird. Um, yeah, so I guess let's talk about the game and, and why we're so nostalgic for it. Some of the clever things we think it did. And um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, this was the first time I, I really got very social about a game. I was just hyper into the collectathon. So I'll pretend that's where I was the very best. Like no one ever was. Like I would... I was big into getting all the Pokemon and doing all that stuff. And it, it did help that once I discovered how to do it with the starters, like my sister and I could do it together. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think, Chris, let's go back to your, I guess, background with, with Pokemon. Because you've played significantly more Pokemon now. Is it just easier to play by yourself or do you just like like that element of seeing the new pokemon they invent i'm i'm really impressed that as someone who didn't do it extremely socially you still really love the franchise and and really play a lot of the games just funny story before we get into yours my cousin who's he's like 19 so you know he's gen z and he's like I tried playing Pokemon for the first time and I was like, yes. And he's like, I didn't like it. Like the game says, collect them all, but I can't collect them all. There's other people I have to get them from. And I'm like, yes, you do need other people. And he's like, no, I don't want any of that. Forget this. Who invents games like that? And I'm just like <laughs> shaking with rage. Like I feel like the boomer. I'm like, listen, kid. Get yourself some friends and collect them Pokemon. So 
you know, it was like me being old and crusty about it. But yeah, yeah, go go ahead. I want to open the floor to you about it. Yeah, I mean, I just don't like people in general. That's that's my own hang up. So when I'm playing Pokemon, I, I'm just trying to do the collection and the leveling up. And a lot of it is just very like connected to the, the Pokemon that I get. I just pick ones that I like and level them up until until whatever and, and just beat the game with them. But never really had had the whole trading around experience. Does a... it bother you at all that you like you don't fill out the Pokedex and all of those? Or do you now like with modern technology, is it a little easier to buy both games and then trade with yourself? Well, nowadays, there's a lot of ways to to get all the Pokemon, even without having all the games like there will be special events or you can do online trading or, or stuff like that. So it's a lot, a lot simpler now, but like at the time I was just going to say, I was just looking at it and saying, well, I, I guess I can't get all of them and I'll just be sad about it. Oh no. Uh, when they released Pokemon go, it's really funny. Cause like, this red and blue era has like such a deep nostalgia for me because I was so attached to these Pokemon and I, I really loved the artistic transformation of, of like real life animals for the most part or or, or like I said, just Mewtwo's design. Like even if they were alien, they had a really cool design. And so when I played Pokemon Go, I, I ended up getting finally like all of the Gen 1 and I was like, I beat the game. <laughs> like, this is it. Pokemon Go. I just beat this game. Now I like play very casually, but I got all of Gen 1 and Gen 2. And I was like, the game is over. Everything is beautiful in my world now. But I was real vicious about getting that that first generation. So that's that's kind of interesting. That's neat. So it like, feels like you're on an adventure with the Pokemon you catch. Do you name yours? Sometimes. Sometimes I do. Usually, it, when I was in Red and Blue, I tried it for a little while, and then I got way too confused trying to remember who was what. <laughs> Chris is like, like I don't remember who you are. I just caught you, named you, and threw you in a box. Uh -huh. I, I would have to name them, like, Water. That's so good. Did you, um, did you have a ridiculously organized box system in Red and Blue? Oh, like, no. Like, for the different types? No, it's such a pain... It was such the early a games are so 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 much more trouble to get anything organized to get anything done. Oh my gosh, yes, you had to like swap them into your party, swap them into a box. Like I would just sit there. You could spend a solid couple hours at the Pokemon Center in the box system trying to get that to work. I think I did it on one of my playthroughs though. I was just like hyper, you know, OCD about getting that all organized. I was like, only the normal types in box one, only the water types in box two and three. Yeah, definitely had that problem. And shuffling it around was a pain. So pretty funny. No, but what you have to do is you have to get them, get one Pokemon of each type and have them in the boxes in order, in the in Pokedex order. Oh, that's good. I did not, I didn't ever do that. Uh, no, that's, I that's, never do that. that's all, that's always my, uh. I say I'm going to do it, and then there's now there's like 800 Pokemon, 
so I, oh, so yes. I uh, so like it's never gonna happen never never reached that point but e- even with red and blue like without trading with other people <laughs> it wasn't the sort of thing that was gonna happen i think they didn't even have the enough slots in the boxes to have all all the pokemon i think they only had like 120 uh spots or something oh i didn't know that how did i collect them all then that's confusing well so you have like the evolved pokemon so you don't oh, have right, right, right. Like, multiple yes. versions of okay that's how it worked yes yeah. but if Good you're point. being really really uh <laughs> crazy about it gotta have one of everyone that's how i have it in pokemon go so i have one of everyone so yeah that's how you gotta do it that's how you gotta do it there yeah so some some other clever things i thought about the game uh, in terms of you know you had to not just trade with other people but sometimes you had to trade to get a pokemon to its final level you know gengar was like that alakazam was like that um, so that was kind of, kind of interesting, uh, just to enhance the social aspect. Um, I thought it was hilarious that when you got a traded Pokemon, if you kept it, it was, um, it would level faster. And then if you leveled it too fast, like when I did my trick with the starters, it would just stop listening to you. And it would be like, Charmander is loafing around. Charmander has stopped listening. Charmander turns its back at you. Like, they had all these hilarious little things that would happen, and it would literally just stop. Like, it wasn't like a confusion where sometimes it would attack. It just straight up wouldn't do it if you weren't at a, at a certain stage in the game and you had leveled your traded Pokemon too high. Yeah. I I actually ne- didn't like using traded Pokemon for that reason because I was always like, but I I want to get them as high as possible, but I can't get them too high or else it's going to stop working. So ah, yeah, yeah, it presented this interesting element that you would not have thought they'd incorporate into a game of of that age. Like I just thought it was really intelligent design. So they were like, no, no, now. We want you to be social, but we we also want you to be like going on an adventure with everybody else. Like we didn't want you to cheese your way through it. You don't want your friend to give you that that level one hundred Mewtwo at the very start of the game, and you just roll over everything. Right, you just crush the the whole thing. You just crush the whole thing. Uh, so let's talk about my my dark cheatsy life for Ooh. a second. Are you ready for my cheating? So yes. I hit a point where um, I did the missing go trick to duplicate a bunch of items. Yeah. Okay. So I totally did that with rare candy. And then I leveled the crap out of my Pokemon with rare candy. Now, an interesting fun fact, they penalized you for this. The stats as that increased are significantly less if you use rare candy versus actually fight with them to get the experience points to get you to the next level. Yeah. The game penalized me. And so my level 99 whatevers in the tournament were like nothing compared to these other kids who had spent the hours to level these Pokemon properly. Yeah, if you're really paying attention to everything, you have to fight against specific Pokemon to raise specific stats because it would all flow into your your evs your effort values 
So to get it, get it, re everyone like completely optimized, you'd have to run around the, the whole map and fight against specific things, and it was, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> Wait, really? Was that in red and blue? Yeah, yeah. Can you can you blue. give an example? Um, like fighting against uh, every every Pokemon would have a specific uh set of like. EV points that it would give. So, like fighting against uh one like a Geodude or something might give you extra points towards defense or something. But there would only be a limited range of values that it could be, and it was all affected by the IVs, which are the uh, initial values, and those are those are set in stone from the beginning, and you have to find the best Pokemon with best values. Chris, you have yes. just like opened my life to a whole <laughs> other dimension of red and blue. I never knew. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a thing. I thought that was something they invented for Pokemon Go where everyone was trying to catch the like, oh, I want a three star level Pokemon. You know what I mean? And I was just like, this never existed before. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I had no idea that you could like optimize the base stats. You had to catch the best Geo dude. Yeah, it was tough. It was really hard to figure it out because you have to level them up a bit, and if you did that, then there'd be some noise from the EVs. So you kind of had to guess at a lot of what everything was. They made it a lot easier in the later uh, games to check all your values. That is completely wild. I, my mind is blown right now. That's seriously insane. So as someone who didn't play strategically, I guess, when did you start figuring out a lot of this stuff? Because this sounds pretty strategic, Chris. <laughs> you sound pretty pro right now, which is why you're a Pokemon expert. Uh-huh. Well, I never really did it strategically. I just was one of those kids who would, like, find all the articles and read everything that there was to to possibly find on the internet i would be going through the the wiki looking at all of the different ways that that you could have different values or different like for uh different types of uh bonuses to your pokemon okay that's pretty cool yeah, I never and, did enough of research. It's kind of like carries over into my adult life where I don't really do research on most things, but unless I really have to. So that's, wow, that's pretty interesting. And then I didn't apply any of it. I just, you know, played it normally because it's so much less effort. Okay, but you you at least have this encyclopedic knowledge, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but I know how. Like, I would do it at the very, very end of the game after I'd beat the game just because it seemed like the thing to do, so I'd find I'd try to get like perfect value Pokemon. But during the game it'd just be, yeah, I caught this cool Pikachu. I'm gonna just keep using it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes the most sense. I, I guess speaking of that, did you ever um get into thinking about team dynamics, like with your set of six? So even minus strategically playing for tournaments or anything. Did you ever hit a point where you're like sort of agonizing about thinking about it? Just battling maybe your friends or some other people casually. I I didn't really until sort of the tail end when I was getting creamed a lot. And then I was like, huh, maybe I should 
you know, always have a Pokemon that's... I used to, like, always have an electric type. And I just, I liked the speed element. And so I had some minor inklings of strategy. I was like, okay, if this is faster and, you know, can in, in, induce paralysis, hey, that's like a two-for-one Pokemon, right? And and I would do something like that. Um, and, and maybe I should have one of grass. But I, I think it was almost like balancing a meal. Like, you know, you want your meat, your potatoes, and your veggies. And I would just be like, all right, we'll have a grass, I'll have an electric, I'll have a water, I'll have... A psychic and I'll have you know two like a dragon and and one other type maybe a normal type or something but I think it was more just at that point it was like seeing the different striations in my team as opposed to me totally thinking strategically yeah I always wanted to be prepared for anything so I would have one Pokemon of like all different types and then each Pokemon individually would have different types of moves so we'd have to have like a water move, but also an ice move, but also a normal move, but also just in case, like a fire move just out of nowhere. That's awesome. See, that I was terrible at because I was just this like, I don't know, like little perfectionist where I was like, if you're an ice type, obviously you'd only have ice moves. So like my <laughs> ice type, like, you know, Dugong would only have all only icy moves. And I was like, no, 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 no. He can't have like any other type of move. That destroys my, you know, perfect little idea of, of what the dugong should be able to do. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> the logic of Pokemon is broken, Chris. Mm -hmm. I'm bitter about it. So, yeah, I, I didn't do a very good job with, with varying my moveset, most definitely. Yeah, but I do love that there were so many different ways to play the game, right? Like, super strategically. Apparently, you could teach yourself high-end statistics with it. <laughs> and apparently, you know, you could just go on a collect-a-thon, or, or you could, you know, have a middling level of, of strategy. So a lot of different ways to, to play the game. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a really deep game. It, re it really lets anyone play however they want which I think is, is one of the great things about the series. Because um, it also would make you make, you know, choices. If you didn't have any friends, you had to make choices that were set in stone. You had to choose which Pokemon were important to you. So you would choose the Squirtle or, or the Char Charmander if you make the right decision. Uh, but also, you'd have to choose how to evolve your your Eevee, or ha have to uh, pick between the fossil Pokemon. So, it, it's really a customizable game. Yeah, yeah. And on the different playthroughs, like you said, if you were you're by yourself, you'd be like, oh, well, this time I'm gonna go on a journey with with Bulbasaur just to see what it's like. This time I'm gonna pick, you know, Almanite. I never picked Omanyte because I thought he looked creepy. <laughs> I always what? only ever picked Kabuto. What? But, what? Excuse you. What? Omanyte? No. Kabuto's the, the creepy one with the big glowy eyes. Ugh. The scythe hands? Yeah. The and the rice field. Kabutops is, is scary as heck. Like, yeah. If that were real, it would be the creature of my nightmares. No, I want this adorable little Nautilus thing. That just scuttles around yeah 
I don't know. It's it's void like Cthulhu mouth scared me a little bit. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, you're right. You did have to make choices. I think I agonized over the Eevee one a little bit, but I just, I don't know. Jolty's design was always my thing. My sister was always Team Vaporeon, so Flareon got left in the dust in our house. Yeah, Flareon's the worst one. <laughs> Sorry, Flareon. Sorry. Lame. I, I, I usually went with Vaporeon, except that uh, Jolteon could learn Pin Missile, which was a bug-type move, which is like the only thing that would actually be effective against psychic types, even though it was a really terrible, weak move, and it didn't actually work. <laughs> but it, it should have like in my head. compliment for Pin Missile right there. <laughs> In theory, this should have been a good idea. <laughs> I like that. Man, my movesets weren't varied enough. Pin Missile went so quick. I was like, what? Only Thunder, Thunder Shock. Like, only electric types, of course. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, the, um, you know, Pokemon was really early in my, my anime existence, I guess I'll say. Uh, so... I think getting to learn a little bit about Japanese lore and everything was kind of cool, too. Uh, just, you know, it's not like Magikarp being this fish that turns into a dragon. And you're like, oh, well, that seems like strange and random, right? But it's a really interesting piece of, of mythology from Japanese culture and um, how a lot of the game is very focused on, like, nature and I mean, because the, the, the guy who developed it, right, like Pokemon kind of popped out of this really um, cute hobby he had of collecting bugs. Like he used to go catch them in his backyard and he was like, I want to share the joy of like being in nature and collecting these, these creatures and appreciating them with everybody. So it kind of had a neat nature element to it. Yeah, it was it was always uh really nice to sort of have this really simple like very pastoral uh ga game that you're you're going just running through this world where there's like no uh <laughs> no 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 technology, it's just bikes and some sort of weird PC that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty fun. Um, but I, I felt like, you know, I just, I wanted to get to know a little bit about Japan when I, when I played the game, cause it, it did feel, you know, steeped, steeped in that. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. At the, at the time, they, uh, Nintendo and, and Pokemon company didn't think that we were ready to learn about Japan though. So they would, uh, translate out a lot of the really, uh, Japanese stuff, especially in the, in the anime. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They would they would pull some of those. You know, when you learned only later, like it, it's really funny for all of us who you know don't have didn't grow up with streaming, kids these days. Uh, you know where where we got uh for for Pokemon or for me it was like Sailor Moon where you, where you got a hold of like a friend of a friend's older brother who had a VHS tape that had like uncut versions of Pokemon episodes and you were like oh so different, right? So. It's yeah. kind of interesting to note what cultural stuff they, they let translate over and what types of things they were like, um, 
American audiences may not like this, but four kids, man, did a lot of a lot of cutting. Yeah, th- there were even like lost episodes that only aired in Japan. You had to go find find those because it had like guns in it. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Totally tangential. Like Yu-Gi-Oh had that too. Yeah. And only I didn't notice it until like little Karibo made made their um, Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. And like they have that one scene where they're like, we're totally going to shoot you with our fake guns. And I was like, there were never guns in this shot. How did I miss that as a kid? So yeah, so many, so many things that were pretty crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, how deep down the rabbit hole did you did you go because like clearly you read all these articles clearly you did all this stuff um i guess like when when mew came out did you like go read theories of how to get mew besides getting a game shark i did you were supposed to like go to a certain spot and you're supposed to like look under the truck but then you were also supposed to push a certain rock in a certain direction so there were just all of these different ways and none of them work because (laughs) you know whatever but everybody says, yeah, this one's this one's for sure to work. So you go to one, you know, every, every different site on the internet, because it used to be spread out into all these different sites. You would have GeoCities web rings that you'd have to traverse oh gosh, to find. Yes, GeoCities. Yeah. So so there was always a lot of uh, misinformation out there. Was, but it was fun. It, it was it was the sort of thing that that you get these like urban legends or whatever, and and that would that's always interesting. Uh, but yeah, I I got pretty deep into it. I definitely also read a lot of fan fiction. Did you really? Yeah, it's uh, it's out there sometimes. Some of some of it was like, obviously some of it's really bad, but some of it's really weird like what if luke skywalker was a pokemon trainer i don't know (laughs) let's find out what a great theory what if the pokemon were animorphs oh man (laughs) okay okay because i read animorphs too so now you're starting to appeal to me yeah so what what if you could be animorphs but in the pokemon world Ooh. okay so you could become the pokemon right dang Ooh. Yeah, that so is some, so interesting. There was some wild fanfic out there. Man, so interesting. That's pretty cool. I yeah, I I did not get into any fanfiction for it. And I mean I really should have mentally thought to myself, of course it warrants fanfiction. Um, but those those are some neat things. You know, speaking of, of neat things, I think it came out much later, and I don't know if it was just that game theory site who popularized it or who came out with it first so i can't give give credit to the right person but did you ever read that theory that pokemon is set in this like post-apocalyptic setting because there's just like a bunch of parentless children running around battling pokemon and then like lieutenant surge when you go meet him at the third gym is like hinting that he survived the war and everyone just kind of subtly is like after the war and you're like Okay. And it seems like there was like some great war and some great disaster that just like left, you know, this mystical Kanto region ravaged. And like you are living 
that post-apocalyptic life. And that's why you have to leave home and you don't go to school and stuff, right? Like you have to like make your way in this difficult world. And I remember reading that and it was sort of the first time of me like getting into reading people's theories online and theorizing myself. And I was like, that's a pretty interesting one. So until then, I didn't, I didn't think much about it. Yeah, but it it really is, when you look at it, it's kind of a weird setting, because you do have this range of, like, tech where everyone's going around on bikes and stuff, but also there's magic, you know, animals going around, and there's, you know, these, these healing things, and Pokeballs work somehow, so there's all this, like, mix of high-tech and low-tech that, that's sort of very, very dystopian. Yeah, and, and, like, at certain points, the game got kind of melancholy like the whole segment in lavender town you know yeah and yeah. and like where you're trying to like free this spirit of the i think it was like the the mother cubone right or like the marowak yeah. that has been trapped there and it was it was like kind of emotional for a for a kid's game yeah some of the some of the some of the the stories is a little a little serious and especially if you start looking into the backgrounds of some of the pokemon it's like cubone wears its mother's skull on its head that's a normal thing to do yeah exactly you're like oh harsh or like oh my gosh the first time i forget which game put it in the pokedex because they actually like change the descriptions of the pokedex and sort of expand the lore as you would play more games paris and parasect like when paris evolves the mushroom on its back is basically a parasitic fungus, and that's why its eyes go completely white, because, like, the mushroom parasite has fully taken over the Paris when it evolves, and it is in control of the body of the parasect. And I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, you look you at it, it's this, cute, it's this cute little mushroom mushroom dude. And then... You you learn learn new things about it, and it's like, oh, that's dark. Yeah, sheesh. So it was a little intense, a little intense sometimes. Um. All right, so I think yeah, let's. I guess let's jump into some stuff that was quote unquote legendary. Did you did you get all the legendary birds? Uh, did you get Mew? And Mewtwo. And it sounds like you totally messed with the missing go uh, glitch, I guess we'll call it. Feature glitch. I don't know what would make you think that. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it would appeal to you. Yeah, it, it, I definitely did uh, cheat and get uh, at least do the missing no item duplication, but I was always too afraid to actually catch missing no, just because like something bad is gonna happen, obviously. So I caught all the the legendaries, and I caught like Mewtwo, and then I did all of the things where people say you have to run in a circle to catch Mew, and then I didn't. But I went to like a mall or something one time, and they were giving away Mew. Oh, that's awesome! I I think I ended up buying Game Shark. <laughs> and cheating to get to get Mew. I absolutely did the missing go trick. I even caught missing go and I was terrified for a little while that I'd broken my game until I read on probably some GeoCities site that if you just let missing go go, everything's fine. But what a, again, what a fascinating concept of like 
you can't have this one. It's right. it's like too weird and too rare of a force of nature that you cannot keep it contained in your game, right? Yeah, it's almost this eldritch horror thing where yes. it's, it's not even part of the world. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we'll grant you this this wish or whatever, but don't catch it or you're going to get in trouble. Um. So yeah, good good times, good times, man. Whew. Um, I will say what's kind of funny now, like my husband and I like played Red and Blue uh, recently, maybe like a year ago, we, we were packing up a lot of our other stuff and found the Game Boy Colors and we're like, let's play again. There is now a redonkulous way to catch Mew. Like, what you're talking about. Like, walk up to this guy, warp with Abra at this exact moment, go over here, pick up this exact item, and then, like, Mew will appear in the grass. And it worked, because I did it. Yeah, people eventually figured out some, uh, some buffer overflow stuff and some, uh, just random generator hacks to do it. Uh, <laughs> there's a I lot of stuff that... I believe that. Like, that's, hey, someone figured that out. In a game that, you know, old and primitive, that's, how do you even? And B, that it worked. Like, the fact that the, the programmers rewarded you for that, right? Well, I don't, I don't think it was intentional. Uh, a lot of this stuff was, was only found with emulators where you would have to, at, like, frame-perfect times, do, do things to switch certain programming flags so that you could accidentally get into it. Fascinating. Do you... So I did it with a cartridge. Yeah, people figured it out, figured out easier ways eventually, but uh, a lot of it came out of the emulation scene. Okay, uh, interesting. But Man. you also have people, Professor Chris, all your knowledge. You have people who go on an emulator, and if you do it exactly right at the start screen, then you can overwrite the entire program and just play like Tetris instead. <laughs> oh my gosh! No way. But that's like oh, thousands of key presses, like it within no time at all. So it, it's only really uh, theoretical. Okay. Okay. Fascinating, man. I'm learning so much about red and blue. Sheesh. Um. So speaking of ridiculous things, let's make fun of Pokemon Red and Blue a bit. We love oh, it yeah. so much and have deep nostalgia, but we must we must make fun of some things. Okay. Um, so let's just talk about types. Psychic and Dragon were horribly broken. <laughs> like, yeah. it yeah, was the ridiculous. Types, the types were a real mess in, in Red and Blue. You'd have the Psychic and Dragon Pokemon that just were so overpowered. But there's only, like, the one line of Dragon Pokemon anyway. So. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Because <laughs> Gyarados wasn't made Dragon until later, right? Uh... Yeah, not until they had Mega Evolutions. Oh, really? Okay. Fascinating. Which is funny, because the lore supports it being Dragon right from right. the get-go, but then it wasn't in-game. Yeah, you can only have two... You can only have two types, that's it. It's, it's otherwise yeah. too complicated. Okay. But, yeah, the, the dragons were overpowered, and then, like, Psychic Pokemon. There were way more Psychic Pokemon, and they were also ridiculous uh and then the only way you're supposed to be able to fight them was with ghost pokemon but the only three ghost pokemon were also poison type which is weak to weak to psychic 
It's and true. It's just this this giant mess where Psychic is just beating up on everything. And then you have Jolteon trying to use Pin Missile. Yes, Pin Missile. We're back to why didn't Pin Missile work? Yeah. This should have been a thing, man. It should have worked, but it did not. I guess to your point, you could have used Bug, right? But they were also all poison, yeah, all of the weren't bug- they? They weren't all poison, but all the bug types are, are, are terrible. Okay. <laughs> Psychic, why were you so broken? All the broken. Okay, I have a very important question for you, Chris. Why does Machoke and Machamp wear underwear? Do you think it's really underwear? Like, do you think they go to the Japanese store and have to buy new underwear? Or do you think it's like part of their skin, but is for some odd reason shaped like underwear? And like a, a, a wrestling belt. Mm-hmm. Or it's underwear made out of skin. Right. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, clothes clothes are weird, especially since they uh, they just show up when it evolves. Or like not... Hitmonchan, like he just wears boxing gloves, yeah. like yeah they're they're ju- that's just how his how his how his hands are they're boxing glove hands yeah, that's true they're just stuck as little boxing gloves poor guy what if he wants to like eat a sandwich or something he's gonna like do it with those gloves so bizarre i don't even know i'm gonna go with i i don't i feel like it's not part of their skin. Like, I think they evolve and they magically get underwear because Machoke, like, looks like he's wearing a belt. Like, one of them big WWF belts. And so does Machamp. So, I think they have to go to the Under Armour store, like, the dystopian Under Armour store and buy new underwear. That's just the price they pay for evolving. Yeah. I, I really like the idea that it's part of their bodies. It's just, like they evolve and suddenly they've got you know shorts bones <laughs> <laughs> just have just have underwear belt bones and yeah okay it's part of the skeleton nice okay i like it so um what is the worst pokemon the worst Chris? pokemon what, like which one was just the worst okay wait wait it, which one is the worst and you can't pick like the middle evolutions of the bugs. So you can't say Kakuna or Metapod, <laughs> okay? And you can't say Magikarp. Because it uh-huh. wasn't their fault that they were designed that way yeah. to make you tough it out. The worst overall line of Pokemon. Yeah, I'm going to go with Venonat. I always hated Venonat. I thought it was creepy looking with its big fly eyes. Uh-huh. And Venomoth yeah. was no better. Yeah, Moths like, are creepy. Yeah, no. So I'm a Venonat, man. Uh-huh. No to the Venonat. Uh, I'm going with uh, Voltorb and Electrode. Because they're just balls. They're Pokeball shaped and they're Pokeball colored. And that's not okay. That's that's They're trying to trick you. And there's no reason that they should be this shape. That's, that's brilliant choice. And then like on top of that, they're natural inclination is to just self-destruct and you're like what why do these things even exist they're just like murder balls yeah how do you get anywhere if you just explode all the time right what is this creepy and weird okay that's a great that's a great choice i like that okay so and now we get into weird ugliness why is tentacool so ugly i remember getting it like when we were surfing it showed up and i was like ah what is it 
And like Tentacruel was even weirder. It's got this like horn nose thing. Yeah, I just remember thinking hook. they were weird and terrible. And I was like, Tentacruel, <laughs> why are you ugly and bizarre? And it's got all of these like glowing red sections all over yes. it. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, real, real creepy. Like, it, it was just very, very alien, which is fitting for. You know, a jellyfish-inspired creature from the sea, jellyfish squid. But I was just like, mm, I don't like it. It's, it's, it creeped me out, definitely. Yeah, you have all of these really alien-looking Pokemon. But then you also have really unnaturally human-shaped Pokemon. Like That's true. You have, you know, Hitmonchan, the boxing gloves, and, and the fist. But then you have, like, Jinx. And Jinx is like a pokemon in a dress that kisses you yeah, and is that right. supposed to be like am i supposed to be finding this sexy i don't know <laughs> i don't know i'm so confused it was like all of our confused feelings as to like why mr mime was living in ash's house while he was gone mr mime is pretty weird too yeah like, like what's the, up with the human that? ones the human pokemon are just they're they're too human. Yes, that's a really good point because they're creepy and yeah, I don't, oh, I don't know about that. That's a great point. And like Jinx's dress, I guess to go back to like Machop and Machop. Yeah, it's part of her. Right. It's like a, it's weird because it almost <laughs> seems like it's it's just weaved into her body. So bizarroid, man. Mm -hmm. Jinx, what were you thinking? Pokemon Company, what were you thinking? I'm so confused. Um, uh, yeah, I think those those cover Cloister was also a little bit suggestive, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Like Cloister was a little much. Which game is it? There's actually this is not related to Red and Blue, but there's a game where there's a couple that you have to fight, and like the wife definitely has Cloister and the husband definitely has Onyx. So Yeah. That, that that comes up in one of the later games. Yeah. It's... So you can tell the Pokemon company knew that this was happening, too. So. But yeah, funny, funny stuff. Funny stuff. Um, and then I have to know, are the middle evolutions just like what Japan thinks of teenagers? Because they were all insanely ugly. I think we <laughs> should do... You know what? For Bulba being the starter, we, you know... We rejected. I think Ivysaur has it the best in the middle stage. Like Charmeleon is ugly as sin. Mm hmm. At just least... sort of big and and un and lanky and just just yeah. you know very teenager. Yeah, like shape. sticking out at odd angles uh -huh. and like mm, not happening. Like Ivysaur is actually kind of cute. He's like a, just a bigger dinosaur, and then like he's got that like the rose is coming out of his flower, and you're like, oh. Yeah, it's sort of sort of blossoming into something cool. Where then you have like War Turtle is just growing stuff out of its face. <laughs> Poor War Turtle, he's like, oh no! Like I think they wanted to make him look like a turtle dove. You know what I mean? With like mm -hmm. with the, the wings. little like wingly things on his head. No, <laughs> just just no. They all look so ugly. Like and I mean my personal fit gloom. <laughs> gloom looked like a freaking disaster. <laughs> like why would you design this? Japan's like, yeah, this is what I think of teenagers. Gloom. 
Uh-huh. This was my emo phase. I looked like gloom. So yeah, all the middle the middle evolutions look terrible. Mm-hmm. The one that doesn't is Dragonair. Yeah, okay, very good point. I was but so then, disappointed when I yeah, got to Yeah, but then it turns into Dragonite, which is completely different like shape and color and and everything. I don't even know. I agree with you. Dragonair, you would expect Dragonair to evolve into something that looks more like Miltonic. And right. Dragonite, this like pudgy little dragon. And you're like, what? So, mm-hmm. man, my expectations shattered. I was like, what is this fat dragon? Uh-huh. It's, it's completely unfair. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, I guess, so I want to move on to a different section. I guess one last thing I want to like retroactively put into the, the cool about Pokemon category, since I think we fully made fun of it to our heart's extent, was, um, every Pokemon, like all 150 had a unique sound they made when they appeared on screen. And like, you didn't have a whole lot of power in the, in the MIDI. It was just the Game Boy sound thing. So it was like, like, you know, little trills and, and beeps. Yeah, that it could make, and they all had a unique sound, which I thought was super cool, given the limited technology, so. Pokemon, you're so cool. Like, that almost makes up for Jinx, almost. (laughs) So close. Cool sound effects, but still, Jinx, so creepy. Um, Yeah, so let's let's end by moving into some sweet, sweet merch. Um, Did you play the card game? I did not. I was too cool for the card game because I played Magic, which was oh the, okay, all right. The real, the real card game. That's a fair point. I did play the card game, but I mostly got into the card game just to collect it for the pretty art, and 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 that was mostly where I was at with it. Actually, my husband has all of the the cards from Gen One, and they're just. They're really beautiful, you know, even if you just had them as, as pieces of art, so. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, but we would definitely fight each other for, like, opening those packs and be like, what shiny one did you get, so. Yeah, I remember all the fights happening and and just everybody going crazy for, like, the, the one shiny card that, that, you know, one of the kids opened. Yeah, so definitely, um... It's an interesting psychology of children moment. <laughs> like, yeah. You could get us to kill each other for holographic <laughs> pieces of cardboard. Um, yeah. Well, so, yeah, let's, um, what else, what else was there? Oh my gosh. Did you, did you stand in that huge line for the first movie, Pokemon the first movie? I, I did. There were, like, giveaways and, and all sorts of, like, promotions just go to the thing go yeah. to the movie it's the first movie first Amazing. movie baby and got that like i got that sweet golden togepi uh-huh. like card like that they gave away inside of a pokeball yeah, i think there were burger this... king toys too right yeah it comes in this really nice pokeball too it with, like, really a, is a opens. nice piece of merch yeah but yeah there were the burger king toys that i collected a lot of <laughs> i had a poster where i would check off the ones that i got because they had like a poster that showed all of the toys okay i have to can you talk about some of the toys do you remember them they're just they're they're, they're nothing really they're like little like things and some of them have like wheels 
and some of them don't do anything at all <laughs> and some of them are like water squirters okay it's, okay it's just like you know you know kids meal toys all right okay that's super cool they're all little, like figurines uh -huh. but yeah that yeah. that pokeball that opened and had the golden cards inside solid merch baby yeah that's impressive i, I have that somewhere around <laughs> I don't think they ever made anything like really like that again for any of the launches of the games. It was such a a big deal. Yeah, I don't I don't remember anything quite quite in that sort of prestige zone. Did you did you own the Pokemon to be a master board game? I did not own the board game. Chris but Yes. I was just going to say I want to tell you about this board game. Oh, but I, I want to hear your hear caveat. But I did own the Tubia Master music CDs. Oh, baby. We're going to talk about those. I need, to, I need to tell you about this board game. So first of all, this board game, you like moved around the board, okay? And you like caught Pokemon in different colored zones. And then you could go to the end and try and defeat one of the Elite Four. This game uh -huh. took hours <laughs> because you were just moving back and forth because the pogs that you would put on the board are random. And you would like continuously have to go back to the right zone to find the freaking Pokemon evolution that you wanted. Like you would catch, so let's say like you get your starter Pokemon, right? So like I have Charmander, but Charmeleon would appear in like the blue zone. So I had to keep hunting around the blue zone until I got a freaking Charmeleon. And then like Charizard would appear in the red zone, but there was like a whole special way to catch it. I had to like, go to this special island on the board and desperately attempt to roll like a five or higher on a die to get it. This game took hours and you it's, can it's, bet your face that I played it for hours trying yeah, to get it. It's a real accurate simulation of, of spending hours just grinding Pokemon. Yes! I needed the Pokemon. You would like end up with a ton you didn't want because every time you like landed on a pog, you'd flip the pog over. You land in a space, you flip the pog over, see what Pokemon it was, like a wild encounter, and then you would like roll a die to see if you could catch it. And then if you catch it and you didn't want it, you just like throw it in a pile and you're like, oh. So you'd end up with all these Pokemon you didn't want. Once again, a totally accurate simulation of what's going on. Um, I guess if you were forced to catch, catch every Pokemon. Um, You've got to. You've got to catch them all. Yes, you're right. Gotta catch them all. Oh, baby. Yeah, let's talk about that music CD. I need, yeah. oh my gosh, I need to show you something. This won't help our audience because you're not here with us, but I need to show you what I found in this box my parents gave me of all my old stuff. Press gaze, gaze upon this. Ooh, wow. That is, that is a cassette tape of the Pokemon To Be A Master music CD. Yes! very impressive. Yes! So beautiful. I played that CD into the freaking ground. I sang the poker rap. Sushma here again in the edit. Here's a small bit of the poker rap for you. I want to be the best that ever was to beat all the rest. Yeah, that's my cause. Electro, Dinklet, Nidoran, Mankey, Venusaur, Tata, Fero, Pidgey, King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Gastly, Ponyta, Vaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree. Catch him, catch him, gotta catch him all. Alright, if you don't think that's awesome, we seriously can't be friends. I highly suggest you seek out the whole poker rap for the Kanto region, because it's just fantastic. Alright, back to the cast. 
it was it was the, the 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 music cd that i just like had going on the background of my childhood just all the time yes just all dri- day, dri- every day driving my brother crazy that's adorable yeah i was all about this and like i you know i never got that good at singing the poker rap just to be <laughs> honest like there it's were hard. chunks of it i could sing but it's hard oh the poker rap so good like but the then eventually test. eventually there would be the the weird al polka mon mix where he lists all of the all of the pokemon in a, in a, in a polka that's that's the real one you got to learn how to do that sounds amazing was that like a spoof or was that, that was a real thing they released it was a real thing on one of the movie soundtrack cds okay this sounds so good <laughs> dang everyone needs to go look that up right now spend as much time as possible learning the original pokemon with polka i i mean i require this this sounds fantastic but yeah, to be a master was was great. And what was kind of interesting was it it had like a gentle touch of world building. Like I think there was a song like Misty sang to Ash about how she was like secretly in love with him. But but he was asleep, so he didn't hear. <laughs> it's right. Like she he went to sleep because at the beginning of it had them talking to each other. Yeah. But he didn't hear about her secret love for him that she can never share. It's true. But it was we were like it, we felt like expanded our knowledge about these characters and like Team Rocket had an amazing song. So oh about you know how Jesse and James like think they've got it together and Giovanni's just using them for his nefarious purposes. So mm, it was good times with sweet, oh, yeah. sweet original CDs. Man. Alright, so I want to end, unless you have nothing else to chat about, with the ultimate question. Okay. Red or blue? Ooh. Well, that's complicated. Because I owned red, but if I had the option to go back and pick again, I would have picked blue. What? Are you choking me right now? Ugh. It had it had Blastoise on it. Oh the my best gosh. starter. That's you're, you're you're on Team Squirtle, so you would have <laughs> gone with Blast. Oh my gosh. Oh, red, red, but <laughs> acceptable. You know what? To be fair, I did feel like Blue had a lot of the better, like tradable Pokemon, like Meowth or not, you know, Vulpix. <laughs> Yeah, the version-specific ones. Yeah, the version-specific ones I, I did feel were, were better in blue, if I'm being honest. But red. Red. Man. All right, well, this was so much fun. I hope I can bring you on again to talk more about Pokemon. and There's, just, there's eight more generations. And you, you can just spread your knowledge all about all about the Pokemon and educate our listeners some more. Uh, Thank you for coming on and I, I hope you had fun. Yeah, this is great. All right, great. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. This is a podcast by the Con Artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. 
For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.